Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. Before we get to the latest episode of Think Inclusive, I want to tell you about another show I think you'll enjoy. I'm Diana Pastora Carson, and I'm the host of Beyond Awareness, Disability Awareness That Matters. It's a podcast for special education and general education teachers, for parents, and for community members who want to promote disability awareness from a progressive, research-based, dignifying, inclusive social justice lens. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or at gobeyondawareness.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's get ready for the podcast for inclusionists. Think Inclusive, brought to you by MCIE. From MCIE. Just a couple of weekends ago, I taught an online class for special education candidates about supporting students on the autism spectrum. And we talked about a number of things, including what is autism? This is my second go around for this class. And I repeated something that I thought was really helpful the first time. I had the class read the About Autism page from the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Now, if you don't know who ASAN is, they are a 501c3 nonprofit organization run by and for autistic people. And I often point to them as an example of where to look when finding who the autism experts are. So before we get into our interview with Anthony Iani, author of Centered Autism Basketball and One Athlete's Dreams, I wanted to read ASAN's definition to you. It's a couple of pages long, but I think it's worth hearing. Autism is a developmental disability that affects how we experience the world around us. Autistic people are an important part of the world. Autism is a normal part of life. It makes us who we are. Autism has always existed. 
autistic people are born autistic and will be autistic our whole lives. Autism can be diagnosed by a doctor, but you can be autistic even if you don't have a formal diagnosis. Because of myths around autism, it can be harder for autistic adults, autistic girls, and autistic people of color to get a diagnosis, but anyone can be autistic regardless of race, gender, or age. Autistic people are in every community, and we always have been. Autistic people are people of color. Autistic people are immigrants. Autistic people are a part of every religion, every income level, and every age group. Autistic people are women. Autistic people are queer. And autistic people are trans. Autistic people are often many of these things at once. The communities we are a part of and the ways we are treated shape what autism is like for us. There is no one way to be autistic. Some autistic people can speak, and some autistic people need to communicate in other ways. Some autistic people also have intellectual disabilities, and some autistic people don't. Some autistic people need a lot of help in their day-to-day -day lives, and some autistic people only need a little help. All of these people are autistic because there is no right or wrong way to be autistic. All of us experience autism differently, but we all contribute to the world in meaningful ways. We all deserve understanding and acceptance. Every autistic person experiences autism differently, but there are some things that many of us have in common. Number one, we think differently. We may have very strong interests in things other people don't understand or seem to care about. We might be great problem solvers or pay close attention to detail. It might take us longer to think about things. We might have trouble with executive functioning, like figuring out how to start and finish a task, moving on to a new task, or making decisions. Routines are important for many autistic people. It can be hard for us to deal with surprises or unexpected changes. When we get overwhelmed, we might not be able to process our thoughts, feelings, and surroundings, which can make us lose control of our body. Number two, we process our senses differently. We might be extra sensitive to things like bright lights or loud sounds. We might have trouble understanding what we hear or what our senses tell us. We might not notice if we are in pain or hungry. We might do the same movement over and over again. This is called stimming, and it helps us regulate our senses. For example, we might rock back and forth, play with our hands, or hum. Number three, we move differently. We might have trouble with fine motor skills or coordination. It can feel like our minds and bodies are disconnected. It can be hard for us to start or stop moving. Speech can be extra hard because it requires a lot of coordination. We might not be able to control how loud our voices are, or we might not be able to speak at all, even though we can understand what other people say. Number four, we communicate differently. We might talk using echolalia, repeating things we have heard before, or by scripting out what we want to say. Some autistic people use augmentative and alternative communication, or AAC, to communicate. For example, we may communicate by typing on a computer, spelling on a letterboard, or pointing to pictures on an iPad. Some people may also communicate with behavior 
or the way we act. Not every autistic person can talk, but we all have important things to say. Number five, we socialize differently. Some of us might not understand or follow social rules that non-autistic people made up. We might be more direct than other people. Eye contact might make us uncomfortable. We might have a hard time controlling our body language or facial expressions, which can confuse non-autistic people or make it hard to socialize. Some of us might not be able to guess how people feel. This doesn't mean that we don't care how people feel. We just need people to tell us how they feel so we don't have to guess. Some autistic people are extra sensitive to other people's feelings. Number six, we might need help with daily living. It can take a lot of energy to live in a society built for non-autistic people. We may not have the energy to do some things in our daily lives, or parts of being autistic can make doing those things too hard. We may need help with things like cooking, doing our jobs, or going out. We might be able to do things on our own sometimes, but need help other times. We might need to take more breaks so we can recover our energy. Not every autistic people will relate to all these things. There are a lot of different ways to be autistic. That is okay. Autism affects how we think, how we communicate, and how we interact with the world. Autistic people are different than non-autistic people, and that's okay. ASAN advocates for a world where all autistic people have equal access, rights, and opportunities. Nothing about us without us. ASAN also has a great book called Welcome to the Autism Community. Check it out if you get the chance. And before we get into Anthony Ianni's interview, I'm going to tell you something that I told my students a couple of weeks ago, and it really comes from this ASAN definition. All autistic people deserve understanding and acceptance. My name is Tim Viegas, and you are listening to the Think Inclusive podcast presented by MCIE. This podcast exists to build bridges between families, educators, and disability rights advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. To find out more about who we are and what we do, check us out at thinkinclusive.us or on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, take our podcast listener survey. Your responses will help us develop a better podcast experience. Go to bit.ly slash TI podcast survey to submit your responses. We appreciate it. Today on the podcast, we talk to Anthony Iani, the first autistic Division I college basketball player and author of the book, Center. We talk about what it was like growing up not knowing about his autism diagnosis until high school, playing for the Michigan State basketball team, and what he would tell young people on the autism spectrum about following their dreams. Thanks so much for listening. I'm glad you're here. And now, our interview with Anthony Iani. Okay, so today on the Think Inclusive podcast, I have Anthony Iani, who is the author of the book Centered, Autism, Basketball, and One Athlete's Dreams. He is a uh, 
former basketball star on Michigan for the Michigan State Spartans. I cannot wait to talk to you about that. So uh, welcome to the uh, podcast, Anthony. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, why don't you why don't you just introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, our audience are, is mostly uh, educators, uh, so some special education teachers, some general education teachers. We have principals and district administrators that listen, and then we also have families of uh, uh, children with disabilities. So, um, in, in case no one knows who you are, how, you know, how, go ahead and introduce yourself to our uh, listeners. Absolutely. So I'm Anthony Ayeni. I'm a current uh, national motivational speaker and uh, autism self-advocate. A um, little bit about my background. When I was four years old, I was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, which is part of the autism spectrum. And at age five, a group of doctors and professionals told me that because I have autism, I would barely graduate from high school, never go to college, never be an athlete, and likely end up in a group institution with other autistic individuals just like myself for the rest of my life. Um, I wasn't told this till going into my freshman year of high school. So that kind of became my motivation to go out and prove those people and then the other doubters and naysayers that had my life wrong. I had to work hard at everything, whether it was school, basketball, my social life, especially. Um, and I had a lot of support from, you know, not just my family, but from my teammates, my coaches, my teachers, and all my friends. So I ended up graduating from Okemos High School in 2007, where I then went on to Grand Valley State University for two years on a full scholarship for basketball. Didn't quite work out for me there, so I decided to leave Grand Valley State to fulfill my lifelong dream, which was to play for a certain coach at a certain university. So I ended up leaving for uh, uh, to go play for Coach Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans, uh, where I was a walk-on for two years. My senior year, Coach Izzo awarded me a full-ride scholarship. I was a part of two Big Ten championship teams, team that won a Big Ten tournament title, team that went to a Final Four, played with a great group of guys who I'm proud to call all of them my brothers to this day. Uh, but during my time at Michigan State, I actually became the NCAA's first Division I college basketball player with an autism diagnosis at that time. So I'm still proud of that title to this day. And I also got my bachelor's degree in sociology from Michigan State, which is social science. So um, so now I've been doing motivational speaking for the last nine years, uh, whether that's going into schools, talking to grades three through 12, uh, doing uh, autism conferences, conferences, events, speaking to sports teams, um, universities. So so yeah, that's kind of me. I'm also husband, husband and father, father of two beautiful, handsome uh, sons. So my, I got a six-year-old Knox and a three-year-old son named Nash. So uh, yeah, so I stay stay pretty busy, but that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell. Awesome, awesome. So is, are are your sons' names uh, after basketball players? Just curious. <laughs> no, so actually, my a lot of my friends and even um, some of my high school players, I help coach girls basketball here in Livonia, and. Uh, you know, when Knox was born, everybody was thinking, oh, you know, connections at Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm like, no, like my wife got the name from Dead Poet Society. One of the uh, characters yeah. was named Knox. And so she was just a big fan of it. And then Nash, we always talked about Nash, you know, being our firstborn's uh, first name. But, you know, we went with Knox and we were always a big fan of Nash. And so after Nash was born, some of my basketball players were sending me texts saying, you know, Knoxville and Nashville, you're going to name your third kid. You're going to name it Louie after Louisville. And I'm like, oh, geez. So, so I get that question asked me all the time. But, um, you know, a lot of people really love their names. And we really want to come up with names that, you know, not a lot of people have even heard of or even used. So, but yeah, I love being a dad, though. It's, um, you know, it's a lot of work, though. But, you know, I wouldn't trade anything for it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so in the, well, let's talk about your book first. Um mm-hmm. Let's talk about why you wanted to write it. So, um, I mean, you have 
obviously a uh, fantastic story, uh, right? Meeting Tom Izzo and then kind of like deciding from the very beginning, like, this is what I want. This is my dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the other end of it, after your basketball, after, you know, uh, playing basketball and now as a father and motivational speaker. So what was the reason behind writing the book? Obviously, for multiple reasons, um, you know, obviously, I wanted to educate people more about what autism is, because um, I know there are a lot of folks out there who may see me speak and then automatically get that assumption of, well, how is he on the autism spectrum? Because he looks like a, you know, normal person. It's just like talking one on one with somebody. But I've also told people, you know, about my background being on the spectrum, which is I'm very black and white. Like if somebody says something to me today. I may take it the complete opposite sometimes. Um, you know, growing up as a younger kid, I had a tough time understanding nouns, verbs, idioms, sarcasms, jokes. I had a really tough time dealing with fire drills, loud noises, crowd noises from um, Michigan State football and basketball games that I could barely go to because a lot of that, a lot of that stimulation from the arena is just too much of an overload for me. And I wanted people to read more, more. I wanted people to read about that and. You know, not only did I want people to be educated about what autism is, but I wanted, you know, for those who maybe are not affected by autism, if they're going through some tough times in life, to read my story and get as much hope and inspiration as they can out of it. And, you know, the one thing I've always told people that about this book is that it's not just a Michigan State thing. And, you know, I've had a conversation with a couple of um, with a couple of fans, whether they're Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Penn State, Notre Dame, whatever. You know, a lot of them said, well, is this mainly just about Michigan State? I'm like, no, like, it's more than that. Like, I'm like, I would always say to like a Notre Dame fan, like, Rudy wasn't just about Notre Dame. It was more than that. Or, you know, uh, Glory Road was not just about Texas Western's basketball team. Like it was there was there was messages behind those movies and behind those stories. And so it's the same with, you know, with the book, like there's a lot of messages and stories in there. And and we kind of did a few things, too, that you know, I don't think a lot of people would do. So for example, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but you know, we put some of my IEP evaluations in there. And yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we kind of look back on that and because my co-author Rob Keys to help me write the book, um, he asked me if I wanted to put those evaluations in there. And I, I really hesitated at first because there's a lot of personal things written in those evaluations that I look back on. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really too proud of that. Or, you know, at, that was stuff out of my control. Cause I was six years old at the time. I didn't know any better. Um, but then, you know, when I thought about not putting the evaluations in there, you know, Rob says something to me that'll always stick out in my mind forever as an author, which is don't do what's best for you. The author do what's best for your readers, because, you know, people who are going to read these evaluations, whether it's educators, professionals, um, students, families affected by autism in some way, like they're going to look at these evaluations and go, wow, like, look where Anthony Ianni was in kindergarten and look where he ended up being by the time he was a freshman in high school. And so um, Rob wanted me to sleep on it, to give us some thought, but I didn't even sleep on it because I waited 20 minutes and I called him right back and I said, (laughs) all right, let's do it. So, um, but we really wanted to show people too, like this is the effects that autism had on me as a younger kid. And this is the effects it still has on me to this day. And so, you know, overall, we just really wanted to educate people and obviously give people the hope, that hope and inspiration that they're trying to look for today. Yeah, I think it comes across um, in a powerful way. Um, so I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a special education teacher for for many years, 16 years in public schools. Wow. And so I was one of the people writing the, the reports, 
You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it is something that um, I thought about, wh- you know, when I saw, you know, the excerpts in the book was, wow, it's like, um, you know, I am, I'm writing when I, when I wrote for these reports, right. They, I mean, they're of course private and confidential. Right. But, right. but, um, they tell a story, right. They tell a story of the person that I'm writing about. And I always knew that. Um, but to see it in a different context, it was like, Oh, that, you know, that reminded me of the feeling of sitting down and writing down, you know, observing a student coming down, sitting at my computer and writing and what that really means and what that's trying to right. communicate, you know, to whoever, whether it's a parent or someone trying to help or, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, when you're writing a book, <laughs> there's something, um, you said at the beginning where you talked about, you know, you go and you speak and people are like, mm, do you re- like, do you really have yep. autism? Yep. Are you autism? You know, <laughs> So um, I wanted to know, um, you know, what's your reaction and kind of where do you where do you think that's coming from? Like that question. I think it's just based on, you know, people looking at me as a person, because, you know, whenever people see me or meet me for the first time and then I tell them my story about being diagnosed with autism, their initial reaction is, well, how like I just don't see it because of the way you act with people because of the way you present yourself in public as a professional and you know I've had some people come up to me and say well you don't have those care you don't have those kind of characteristics you know a person with autism would have and I would always pose the question of all right well what characteristics are you talking about you know I've had people say to me you don't look like a typical person with autism and my response always is well what is a typical person with autism supposed to look like you know it's like you know some people you know have never seen so I'm six foot nine I'll use this you know this may be a good example I don't know so I'm six foot nine I'm very very tall you know a very tall individual like some people just look at me and they'll give me like just stares like this like looking at me like it's one thing if elementary school kids do it to me because you know, they're nine, 10, 11 year olds. It's funny. But like, you know, when, when an adult does it to me, I'm like, man, like, it's, it's like you guys have never seen a, a really tall person before. Like you never <laughs> seen a nine person before. Like, so for example, if you're hanging around me and my friends and my friends would be super sarcastic in the group or even in a group chat. And I can't, like, I can't tell sometimes if my best friend from high school is joking with me or if he's being serious. And those are a lot of the things I struggle with to this day. And like, you know, just sitting at a dinner table with people and like people joking around, like I don't catch jokes really well because that's that's part of the language aspect. I struggle being on the spectrum. And so um, so but I get, you know, I'm always going to have people, you know, come up to me or just rate. But I always ask people the question whenever I do my presentations at conferences. And so I'll bring up the question of, all right, before I started speaking and you read my story, but then you heard me speak who automatically in this room assume that Anthony Ianni doesn't have autism, like, because they don't, they don't see it. And a, and a good 70, 30 of the room will raise their hands. I'm like, Hey, I'm not offended by it. I get it all the time because, you know, I always tell people like, if you sit down for two, three hours with me, whether it's having dinner or having lunch, breakfast, a coffee or tea, whatever, like I've, I've always told those individuals, like, I guarantee you'll walk away from that conversation, having a better understanding of where I at, of where I'm at on the spectrum. And that's another reason why I wanted to write the book too, is because, you know, you will like, 
the first nine chapters, you get to read more about what I was like as a kid. And when you read those chapters, you'll walk away from those and go, okay, now I understand why Anthony Ianni was diagnosed on the spectrum because this is what he said and did as a younger kid. This is what bothered him. This is what triggered him. Yeah. So, and that, that I think that comes across in the book, you know, uh, the not shying away from it or not trying to separate yourself from autism, right. which I feel that, you know, some people, some people feel like they need to do that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this idea of overcoming your disability. So like, right. um, so I'm wondering about like, I'm wondering about that. Um, you know, what your, if you, if you could expound on that idea of, you know, you have embraced your autistic identity as far as like, this is who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you, had you always felt that way or did you, do you feel like, well, like I have to overcome my autism to be who I really am or whatever? No, I really didn't have that mindset of, I need to overcome my autism to become who I am today. Um, You know, in high school, like I, I just found out going to my freshman year of high school, I, just found out like what my diagnosis was. I knew something, I did things and said things that were completely different and out of the ordinary from everybody else as a younger kid. So I kind of had an idea of, okay, well, I have a disability. I don't know what it is. So, but then when my parents finally told me what my diagnosis was, you know, it all made sense to me. But at the same time, like the only thing I was focused on in high school was proving every single doubter and, you know, doctor and professional wrong who said I wasn't going to achieve anything in my life because of autism. Like I was, I was not going to let their words define my future. And I wasn't going to let autism define what I do in my life because only one person was going to define what I was going to do in life. And that was myself. And so that was kind of my, like, I didn't even think about, you know, autism on the basketball court. I didn't think about autism, like in the classroom, like I like I was still reminded, though, because I had the accommodations for test taking. I had the accommodations when I came to my resource room and my IEPs and et cetera. So and when I got to college, like the goal was to graduate. The goal was to be at Michigan State. The goal was to win a Big Ten championship, make it to a final four and maybe win a national championship during my time there. Um, I didn't really embrace of being proud of having autism until after I graduated from Michigan State, because the realization of finally graduating, but also realizing that you proved every doctor and professional in your life wrong who said you couldn't get to this point and you got there despite having autism. But at the same time, you made a lot of history in your life because of being on the autism spectrum. So that's when I embraced it fully and said to myself, all right, you need to be proud of who you are and what you are diagnosed with. Because if you do that, other people are going to see that and some people will follow you because they'll embrace who they are. They'll embrace what they are proud for. And I actually spoke at a, um, at a uh, charter Academy in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan four or five years ago. And I had a young student, a young fifth grader. And so after the presentation, I did a private uh, group meeting with an all um, autism classroom. And so I had a kid raise his hand and say, ask me the question, are you proud to have autism? Because I'm not like, I just feel like mm-hmm. that. I'm alone. like, I feel like that, you know, some people can't relate to what I go through. And, and I flat out said to him, yes, I am very proud of having autism because autism is part of me. Like autism helped me become who I am today. Autism helped me make history, you know, not once, but twice in my life in multiple ways. And so, but then when I mentioned to the young man, 
that we have over 3.5 million people in the United States who have autism. That number may be more because that was five years ago when I said that. So I'll have to kind of look up to see what the stats are for that. But it was over 3.5 million. And when I mentioned that stat to him, he was blown away by that. Mm. He was like, wait, what? Like there's 3.5 million people in our country that are like me. I'm like, yeah, there are. And so that's why I'm proud to not only be on the autism spectrum, but I'm part, I'm proud to be part of a great community, the autism community. And so, and that's a big reason why I do what I do today as a self-advocate is I don't just do what I do, you know, because it's a job. I do what I do for the people in my life, my family. I do what I do for the community, the autism community. If you were talking to um, another young, like a young person, like let's say on the spectrum and you met them, um, what what's kind of your big message to them um, whether it's from the book or just your own life, like what is the, what is the one thing that you want to communicate to, to a young person on the spectrum? Don't let anybody tell you, you can't do anything in life despite having autism. Um, if you have dreams or goals in life, like go get your dreams and goals. Like don't let anybody tell you, you ever can't do anything because autism doesn't define you at the end of the day. Like you define yourself. And that's my message that I've always had to, to young people on the autism spectrum is that, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of kids I've met and a lot of students I've met with autism, like they have a lot of dreams and goals and aspirations. Like they want to go to college. They want to graduate. They want to be police officers. They, they want to be athletes down the road in whatever sport it is. And here's a good example for you. So the first school I represented at in my entire career, it was at a middle school. It was over nine years ago around this time. And, you know, so I do a lot of anti-bullying presentations in schools. So I get word, I get a phone call the next day from this mom who has a son with autism telling me that her son was bullied for five years because her, because her son's bully knew he had autism. And after the presentation, the bully ended up apologizing to her son. And I was blown away by that. And I actually stayed in touch with the family over the years. And so, and I find out from his mom that, because of my story, her son wanted to go to a major university and graduate. And so he ended up being a very, very good high school wrestler. And he ended up graduating from Ferris State University. And now he works in the Kalamazoo County. Um, I'm sorry, the Ionia County uh, Sheriff's Department. He's a police officer because that's what he wanted to do ever since he was a kid. And when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, man, like, you know what? He did all this stuff that he said he was going to do. And he didn't, let, he didn't let autism get in the way of it. Instead, he did the opposite. He embraced it. And so I, I stay in touch with this young man to this day. And, you know, so not only did it become, you know, you know, a bond, but it became a friendship. I, I got a friendship out of it, too. And so but that's why I always tell kids that, hey, anything you have set in life as far as goals and achievements, like they are possible. They are very possible because. You know, at the end of the day, we actually don't dream our lives because at the end of the day, we actually live them. And that's always a message I'm always going to tell a young person with autism, no matter what. Um, where can people find more find um, more about you and your book? So they can go to my website, which is anthonyayani.com. Um, if they would like to purchase the book, it's also available on Amazon and as well as uh, iupress.com and Barnes and & Nobles and Schuler's. 
Awesome. Are you on the socials or anything? Facebook, Instagram? Oh, uh... oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on all three of them. So my Twitter handle is um, at AI44LYD. Uh, Facebook is just my name, Anthony Iani. And then um, and then my Instagram name is uh, at AIGameChanger44. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, that. That was that. I appreciate that appreciate that story and, and thank you for sharing your story uh with our listeners i think this is going to be really enlightening and uh whoever is listening make sure to check out centered by anthony i annie and uh check out his website and everything on the socials so anthony i annie thank you so much for being on the think inclusive podcast we appreciate your time no thank you so much for having me i appreciate it That will do it for this episode of the Think Inclusive Podcast. Subscribe to the Think Inclusive Podcast via Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a question or comment? Email us your feedback at podcast at thinkinclusive.us. We love to know that you're listening. Thank you to patrons Veronica E., Sonia A., Pamela P., Mark C., and Kathleen T. for their continued support of the podcast. When you become a patron, your contribution helps us with the cost of audio production, transcription, and promotion of the Think Inclusive podcast. And you could even get a shout out like the fine people we just mentioned. Go to patreon.com slash thinkinclusivepodcast to become a patron today and get access to all our unedited interviews, including our conversation with Anthony Iani. Thank you for helping us equip more people to promote and sustain inclusive education. This podcast is a production of MCIE, where we envision a society where neighborhood schools welcome all learners and create the foundation for inclusive communities. Learn more at MCIE.org. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another Best of Think Inclusive episode, Volume 2, to round out 2021. Also, you might have noticed a few more bonus episodes in the podcast feed lately. That is because we are now publishing our newsletter, The Weekly-ish, as a podcast, along with the video and text versions, just in case you couldn't get enough inclusionist content. Thanks for your time and attention and for listening. Until next time, remember, inclusion always works. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.